Hey friends, it's Jay Bayer from Convince and Convert, co-host of Social Pros. And Social Pros fans, I wanted to let you know this week, a very special announcement. I have just launched this week a brand new podcast called Standing Ovation. As some of you know who listen to the Social Pros show, I do a, uh, a lot of my time out on the road giving presentations. I am a professional speaker in addition to being a social media consultant and a digital agency owner. And one of the things that's always fascinated me about the speaking industry are stories. So much of what makes speakers effective and successful are their ability to tell stories, stories that mean something to the audience, stories that impart wisdom, instruction, entertainment, and otherwise. But but where do those stories come from and how do they get optimized over time? That's what Standing Ovation is all about. The show is Standing Ovation, where professional speakers tell the stories of their stories. In each episode, I play a clip from a famous story from a professional speaker, and then that particular speaker and myself talk about the story for 25, 30 minutes, something like that. Where did the story come from? How has it been changed over time? How has it been improved over time? What tips do they have to be a better speaker? So whether you are a professional speaker, somebody who wants to give more presentations at industry conferences, or just somebody who wants to communicate better internally, either in your company or even in your own family, I think Standing Innovation will be a show that you will learn a lot from. I have to tell you, honestly, I have learned so much from each and every guest. Every time I've recorded an episode of this program, I have learned a lot, and I've been a professional speaker for more than a decade. So, Social Pros fans, I want to give you an opportunity to get a little taste of Standing Ovation. What follows in just a second is episode one, the first ever episode of Standing Ovation featuring Hall of Fame keynote speaker Scott McCain. You can get Standing Ovation all the different places that you get delicious audio, And if you like Standing Ovation, I sure hope that you will take the time to subscribe to the show. Also, any ideas or feedback on the program, please do let me know. Just send me an email, j at jbear.com. Social Pros listeners, I appreciate each and every one of you. Adam and I will be back next week with a brand new episode. For now, please enjoy episode one of my brand new show, Standing Ovation. Scott McCain is a Hall of Fame keynote speaker who has delivered thousands of programs all over the world during a speaking career that began when he was just a teenager in a small town in Indiana. Scott gave more than 1,000 speeches by the time he turned 22 years old. He speaks uh, mostly about distinction, helping his audiences understand how to stand out in today's crowded business environment. You'll see why he's such an in-demand speaker in just a bit as Scott McCain takes center stage on Standing Ovation, the show where speakers tell the stories of their stories. I'm your host, keynote speaker and MC Jay Bear. Fans of the Standing Ovation show are known as Clappers, and Clappers know that you can listen to every episode of the show and unlock special bonus content and offers at jaybear.com. That's J-A-Y-B-A-E-R.com. Clappers, please also support our show sponsors as they make Standing Ovation possible. Our sponsor for this episode are the content repurposing experts, Content 10X. Speakers are often provided with video footage and photographs of our presentations, but how can you leverage these assets to ensure your ideas spread and you're able to reach as big an audience as possible? Content 10X have a unique service just for speakers. It's called Talk 
10X. See, what they do is they turn your presentation into a whole suite of social media content, videos, graphics for each and every platform, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram stories, all custom and different. It's a very, very high quality customized service and it's priced right. Content 10X handles the social graphics and the repurposing for this show, for Standing Ovation, and for my other podcast, Social Pros. I use them to create graphics for my own keynote speeches as well. I recommend them to every speaker. Go to content10x.com slash standing ovation to find out more. That's content10x.com slash standing ovation. Sand Innovation is a show about stories, and Scott McCain has a lot of great ones, both on stage and in particular off stage. But perhaps his signature story is about Taxi Terry. We'll talk to him about this story on today's episode, where it came from, how it's evolved, and what's next for this Hall of Fame speaker. Clappers, let's listen to Taxi Terry from Scott McCain. IBM invited me to speak at a meeting on customer loyalty uh, down in Jacksonville, Florida. So I flew into Jacksonville, and uh, I flew in there on Delta Airlines. I I don't know if any of you flew Delta. Delta stands for delays every landing through Atlanta. (laughs) Don't expect luggage to arrive. Didn't even leave the airport. (laughs) Don't ever land there again. Okay, so... So the flight's late, and I finally get in, you know, and I get my old beat-up bag, my old tired body, and now I walk out of the airport, and I get in the taxi cab line. So I'm standing in the cab line, finally get to the front of the cab line, worn out, it's after midnight, standing there. A guy pulls up in a cab just like this, jumps out of the cab, points at me and says, are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? <laughs> you know, I said, yeah, I guess so. He said, well, hop on in. So I'm kind of halfway afraid, you know, now. So I get in the cab and the guy jogs over and he gets my bag and he puts it in his trunk and he jumps into the car and he turns around and he sticks out his hand and he says, Mr. McCain? I said, well, yeah, but how did you know my name? He said, I saw it on your luggage tag. Figured I might as well use it. He said, I'm Taxi Terry. I thought, oh, great, a motivational cab driver, you know. <laughs> I shake his hand. Hi, Terry. So we take off. He says, so where are you going tonight, Mr. McCain? So, uh, well, heading to the Marriott downtown, said, fantastic, sir. Let's check out the weather. He reaches over. Now, all of a sudden, I realize he's got this pocket PC mounted in a very elaborate bracket in his dash. And he hits a button, and the screen pops up, and he's got a magnifying thing over it. So very clearly, I can read from the back seat what's on the screen. He's live, real time on the internet. Weather.com pops up. You can see the seconds ticking away. It is the up to the second weather forecast for the next three days from Jacksonville. He says, oh, Mr. McCain, I hope you are a golfer. You're going to have fantastic weather here in Jacksonville. He says, sir, first of all, tell me, why are you here? I told him a little bit about the companies like I told you, and then I told him about you know, here to give a speech on, on customer relationships. Customer relationships? I am so into that, he says. Do you mind if I record our conversation? <laughs> Who are you really? You know, have you seen Taxicab Confessions on HBO? I think, you know, by the next show. And, and wait, wait, wait. How come you are so able to record the conversations in your cab? He says, well, you see, sir, I set it up that way because that way if, like Dr. Smith, a local customer, he gets in the cab and I'm taking him to the airport and he mentions that his daughter Jill is just enrolled in Vanderbilt. As soon as he gets out of the cab, I record that information. 
And then that night when I get home, I take all these little recordings I've made throughout the day, and I take that information and I enter it into my database. A cab driver with a database. So the next time that the doctor calls for a ride to the airport, I've got that ready, it kicks it out. He gets in the cab, I turn to him and say, by the way, doctor, how's Jill doing at Vanderbilt? He said, you think he's gonna ride with anybody else? He told me a couple of, you know what else he did? He called the CBS affiliate down there. And he said, every morning I turn on the TV and you're always talking about where the wrecks are and how hard it's gonna be to get to work, but you never give us an alternate route. Who knows an alternate route better than a cab driver? So now if there's a major accident in Jacksonville, this station goes live in the field to Taxi Terry, stand there with a microphone by his cab. <laughs> Phone number right there, you know. Telling you the alternate route to take to work. We have this great conversation. We pull up in front of the Marriott, and once again he throws me a curve. He jumps out of his cab, he runs to the back, he opens up the trunk, he takes out my luggage and holds it like it was kin. Hands it to the bellman turns to me, now we've all been here, right? I mean, we all travel. This is the point where they hand you a receipt and then they hand you a business card. Here's a receipt you know, for your expenses and here's a business card. Please call me and I'll take you back to the airport. And what we normally do is walk out of the hotel and whatever cab's sitting there, that's what we take. He turns to me, nothing in his hand. He says, Mr. McCain, I realize you're probably gonna need a receipt for your expenses and you may wanna make a reservation to get a ride back to the airport. You can do both of those, print out your receipt and make your reservation by going to my website, taxiterry.com a cab driver with his own website and take care of that. He said, oh, one more thing, Mr. McKinnon. He said, you travel a lot, you talk to a lot of people, you're probably in a lot of cabs. He said, I'm franchising this. I'm franchising everything from the pocket PC in the cab to the, are you ready for the best cab ride of your life to all of this. So if you ever run into a cab driver that needs help with customer service, <laughs> I'm thinking that would be all of them. He said, you tell them about Taxi Terry. Well, the next morning I get up to speak for IBM. This is the biggest thing that's happened to me for a while, right? So guess how I start my speech. Hey, in there last night, are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? The entire audience went, Taxi Terry! He's the official cab driver for IBM. So now here is my fundamental question. If I can get that kind of service on a cab ride in Jacksonville, Florida, why shouldn't the customers of my businesses expect it? Why indeed, Scott McCain, welcome to Stand Innovation. Wow, Jay. Uh, it, <laughs> you know, one of the things that strikes me, thank you. It's great to be with you, first of all. I, I'm, I'm sitting here kind of in, in stunned, awkward silence about how much that story has evolved. And even my speaking style, I, I hope, has evolved over the last uh, 13, 14 years since, since that recording. Yeah, I was going to ask you, yeah, is that, is that sort of the sort of mid-80s rendition of, of Taxi Terry? Yeah, it's, it's right after it happened, uh, as you can tell from the reference to the pocket PC. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one thing I thought about listening to that story uh, is I think Taxi Terry has uh, failed in his quest to make all cabs better at customer service, because since this story was recorded, uh, Uber and Lyft have uh, have, have come under, under the scene. Yeah, and that, that's part of how the story has changed over the years as well. There's kind of a coda to it that... Uh, uh, wasn't there at, at that particular time. And it, it, it's the next trip to Jacksonville, Florida, years later, um, riding with Taxi Terry, you know, after I've been telling the story, but haven't haven't seen him for a while. And I, I asked him as Uber disrupted his business and he, he helps explain why he's still, you know, being very successful 
uh, when, when other cab companies are failing. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the interesting things is how much even our lives have changed. If you think about the pocket PC or uh, what he did for the CBS affiliate showing alternate routes, well, all of us with, you know, Google Maps, Your ways. Or ways, yeah. you know, we, we don't we don't need that anymore. So um, I think that's one of the things that happens, too, with with signature stories is that you you uh, are constantly revising and updating them and and, and tweaking them. I mean, I, I, I was just sitting here you know, taking a note or two about tweaks that I've made to, to the story. Th- this was one of the first times that I told the story. So this is from. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I was speaking to it was Express Stores that you know used to be part of the Limited. Sure, uh, it was in Columbus, Ohio, at a convention for the Limited for the managers of of every Express store throughout the country, and that would have been ninety eight, ninety nine, something like yeah. that when that when that was first recorded. It obviously is a true story. It it happened to you. Yes. How how long until it went into your program? I mean, did you know as soon as this happened to you, did you say, all right, this this is this is gold from heaven. I, I will be telling this story someday. I'll be on a podcast. Someday I'll be on a podcast. We're going to deconstruct this story. It's not Jay good. Bear. Yes, yeah. someday, yeah. You know, you know, one of the things that struck me over the years is, thank God, you know, can you imagine if I was one guy later in line? <laughs> you know, it was Career crazy. over. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, 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 I'm your best greeter at Walmart, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it is a true story. I did tell what had happened the next morning because like, like all speakers, I'm kind of looking for a way to locally connect, you know, with that crowd. So I just thought it would be kind of a story in passing for this IBM group. And one of the lines that I've, I've added, that's kind of a humorous line, particularly with a tech group is that, you know, what happened is Taxi Terry sold IBM a service agreement, <laughs> so <laughs> which uh, is, is, is kind of a nice uh, parallel. But, uh, yeah, I did not know that. And I just told the story and, and they went crazy uh, because of that connectivity. But as I was telling it, it's one of those that you, you also realize that there are several greater lessons to be learned from that. Um, it's not just a customer experience story. One, one of the great things. Uh, about the story, at least for my speaking career, is that, you know, now it's a story about disruption. How, how did Taxi Terry avoid disruption uh, from Uber when when so many did not? It, it, it's a leadership story. How did he take, you know, how, how did he lead his small business through this difficult time for others in his industry and become successful? But but I think at, at the core, it is a customer experience story. And it, it also, I think, kind of illuminates that you know, there was bad customer service in the nineties. There's, there's bad customer service in always will be 2020. And, and, and we, we have to help organizations and, and individuals. And, 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 there, and there's the other aspect of the story as well is that, you know, it's, it's also about personal responsibility, how you treat your particular customers, you know, transcends everything. And I, I think that's one of the things we often overlook in a, in a good story is that how you bookend that story is the impression it will make on the audience. So I can tell that same story, but if I bookend it as a story about disruption, that appeals to one particular kind of group. If I bookend it as a customer experience story, it works in another way. If I bookend it as, you know, even for entrepreneurs about how to overcome the big box, you know, here's how Taxi Terry overcame larger cab firms in his in his community and 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 all that. So uh, it, it, it really is interesting how it's evolved, but yeah, to, to your question, um, 
I, at the time of the cab ride, I didn't think it. But when I saw how the audience was reacting the next morning, I thought there's there's something here. I love that point you make, Scott, about the best stories being malleable in that way, that that, yes, it's a story about X, but it also can be a story about Y or a story about Z. It's just how you set it up. It's it's where you put it in the program and, and the material that you deliver around that story. And and sometimes I feel like speakers get hung up on that. They say, well, this is this is a story about this. It's like, no, it's a story about whatever you decide the story is about. It's just how you connect it to the rest of your material. You know, for, for a little over a decade, I, I had the greatest side hustle in the world. I, I was a movie reviewer and I got to, uh, you know, go to the junkets and go to Hollywood and, and New York and see the movies and interview the stars and, and talk about the movies. And, and I, I always thought some of the best movies, not necessarily some of the most commercial, but some of the best movies were those that after it was over, we all had to go get a drink or a cup of coffee and say, okay, what was that about? What did you take from that? And, and what happens is, I think with, with great stories of any kind, um, not only do we get what the director meant, like in a movie or, or, or what the speaker meant, but, but they also allow enough space that we can bring our own interpretation to it. Um, uh, when, when speakers try to force feed a story, you know, and here's the moral of the story. This <laughs> means that you'd better learn this. Uh, we, we, we take something away from the audience, our ability to interpret, you know, see it through our own lens. And, and, and that's, that's one of the things I think all significant stories do is, that, you know, that there's a moral there that's obvious, but there's also some nuance to it that allows us to see it through our own lens. That being the case, do you change where Taxi Terry appears in, in your talk? Is it always in the front? Is it always the close? Do you sprinkle around based on what the larger theme of the event is or the larger theme of your talk? Yeah, I do. But, you know, you, you reminded me of something. I, I, I was was listening to a Jerry Seinfeld talk about comedians, and, and I don't recall the comedian he was speaking of. But uh, he, he said that a comedian once gave him this advice. If you really want to force yourself to, to write more good material, take your best story and tell it first. Right? That because is good what, advice. Yeah, right? I love that. Yeah. And, and so you tell the best story first and then, you know, you, it's going to. So I did that for a while and it didn't work as well. And, and part of the reason it didn't work as well is because the audience didn't feel like they knew me yet. Yeah. Part of the key to the story is is it's when it's told right part. And and I think this is true with many, you know, signature stories when it's told, right. The audience doesn't see me in the back of the cab. They see themselves in the back of the cab. Well, to get to that point, they have to feel comfortable with me. And I've learned when I open with that story, it, it, it's a nice story, but it doesn't have real impact because they haven't gotten comfortable enough with me yet to see themselves in the back of the cab. And that's when it really is striking is when they visualize that they're sitting in the back of the cab and, and, and it lets me just be the vessel you yeah. know, that they learn the story from, but not a major part of the story. I can absolutely see that, that, that later in the presentation, they feel like you are more approachable. But I think you also make, Scott, some some specific creative choices in the story to to make it more relatable. I've seen you do Taxi Terry uh, live as well as, as this recording, and you almost always say, uh, my old beat up bag and my old tired body. Right. Which, yeah. sort of, which sort of creates this, this sense of weariness and approachability. And, 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 and it's not the world famous Hall of Fame keynote speaker with his Louis Vuitton luggage uh, and, the, <laughs> and, the, and the valet uh, following behind him. Right. So yeah. that's a, a specific creative choice. You also say 
uh, from a, from a word choice standpoint, and I, I've seen you do it. I think you do this every time uh, that you say he presents the luggage like kin. That's a yeah. very intentional, specific uh, word choice. Talk about that a little bit. Well, uh, first of all, I, I wanted to illustrate, and, and one of the other changes that I've made, and it and it's true, is he hands him the bag and says, "Presenting Mr. McCain." <laughs> And, and, you know, making it so formal. And I, I, the other joke line is I, I, I had never been presented uh, before, <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, the, the reason I, there's a couple of reasons for that is one, I wanted to dramatically illustrate the care that he was handling, not only me as a customer, but my luggage, which I'd already told you was kind of beat up. Right earlier in the story, so yeah. it's 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 almost what you know what stand-up comedians call a callback. Anything sure. you can do to call you back to an early. So the audience already has this vision of my old beat-up bag, and and so the fact that he held it as kin, I don't need to tell you a second time. Oh, remember that old beat-up bag that I talked about earlier in the story? Well, he got that out of the trunk. I mean, the audience already knows that, so you you just use it as a subtle callback. But there's another funny aspect of that. Uh, one of one of my mentors in the speaking business, and one of the guys I admired so much, uh, was a speaker is a speaker named Ty Boyd. And Ty is uh, like us, a, a, a member of Speakers Roundtable. Uh, Ty is retired from the speaking business, but he had a signature story about a room service uh, person in New Orleans named Woody who delivered a, a breakfast tray to him. And Ty said that he walked in and he held the tray up as if it were kin. Mm. And it's it's just a little thing I drop in that story that uh, people who have heard that story from Ty and that know Ty know that's just a little little phraseology tribute to somebody that that really made a difference in my career and in my life. And I've 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 got a couple little lines like that in my speech that you know you hear comedians say that one was for me, <laughs> you know, right? That's what right. Said, but that's that's kind of that. In, ah, that's in, so in, great! In, it's an homage. I did not yeah, realize yeah. that. It's that's that's really terrific. One of the things I think propels the story forward. You mentioned stand-up comedy. I think that's a good uh, analog here because, like the best stand-up comedy, this particular story has has a beat, has a laugh line. You know, every fifteen or twenty seconds, right? So it's not real funny at the beginning and or real funny at the end. It is it is consistently humorous. You know, on 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 a very metronomic pace. Did it start out like that or how much care and effort did you put into it over the years now to develop individual uh, laugh lines and, and kind of place them evenly spread throughout the story? Gosh, that's a great question. That that has been one of the hardest aspects of it, but but one of the most rewarding parts of it as well is I'm constantly to this day still tinkering with that story. And as I mentioned, there's there's a coda now that that wasn't on that. That even extends the story, and it's my ride, you know, four or five years later with Taxi Terry after I've been telling the story, but I haven't seen him, and now I'm worried about his Uber disrupted and what all's been going on, and telling of his success. Um, the, the the other tweak that I've made is that at the end of the story, one one of the ends of the story is that uh, Taxi Terry said he read in, in one of my books about setting specific goals, so he set a goal to have a stretch limousine, and now he has it, and he got to drive Bill Clinton. And so I put a picture of Taxi Terry and Bill Clinton on on the slide, which obviously had not happened at the time that this recording was made. But the but the unintended benefit of that that I think all of us as speakers need to consider is it's amazing how many people will walk up after the speech and say, oh, I thought that was just a story until you showed his picture. (laughs) 
the presumption many times of the audience is this is a great invented, you know, written story, not something that actually happened. Now, naturally, I take dramatic license in terms of how I tell the story and how I tweak it. And so it has the greatest impact on the audience. But I really did ride with Taxi Terry and Taxi Terry is a real guy. The other thing I do now is is when I say he has he had, you know, this great website, TaxiTerry.com. And now I note people in the audience you know, pull out their iPhone or their Android and they are writing it down and going to the site to make sure it's true. Go yeah. to the site. Well, uh, so Terry called me one time and he said, Scott, do you mind if I put that story on my website? I'm like, Oh my God, no, I wish you would because it, it, there are people in the audience that it gives you instant credibility that it's not just a, you know, a, 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 a invented story to, to give me some good material. So it, yeah, it, I'm constantly tweaking on it. And that's one of the things I noticed listening to it. I, I had not listened to that recording for quite a while. Just a small little tweaks. Uh, for example, I, I exaggerate now about going through the line to mm. get to the front of the cabs. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I say, I, I listened to what other cab drivers were saying to their customers, where are you going? Cash or credit? How many in your party to add to when he says, are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? That that becomes a stark differentiator as opposed to what other generic cab drivers were nice. saying. So you're, you're always tweaking it. You're always working on it. When you make those adjustments, Scott, do you do those on paper off stage, or do you make the tweak on the fly on stage with a microphone because you just feel like telling it a little differently and you're just going to see how it plays in the room? What a great question. Uh, some of them are on paper. But I, I don't know how to describe it. And it's it's hard to relate to anybody. I, I know that you'll get it. It's hard to relate to anybody that hasn't been. For some reason, your brain is supercharged when you're in front of an audience. There is there is such an adrenaline rush, uh, such a performance, uh, I don't know, uh, stimulation that, that there are things I could set for a month with a, with a legal pad and never think of. But in them in that moment, something comes out and, and it works. And then, then the hard thing is making sure you remember what that was so that when you get off the stage, you don't you don't lose what was in that moment. But I always try to capture those. And, 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 and there's the other thing, I, you know, it's, um, you know, I've, I've got friends in the music business and I can promise you that tonight they are not excited. You know, the Oak Ridge boys are not thrilled about getting up to sing Elvira one more time, uh, but you do it. And, and, you have to find ways to keep things fresh and being open enough to tweak that story on the fly is part of what keeps it fresh for me telling it the thousandth time. But isn't that an interesting differentiation between the speaking business and the music business? If the Oak Ridge boys, every time they, they played Elvira, played it different or changed the lyrics because they just wanted to try something new, people would revolt uh, yeah. that, you know, they, they would they would be they would be manifestly unhappy about that outcome. Whereas right. in the speaking business, we have the license to, to make changes like that, uh, that in a lot of other industries, you just simply may not. No, you're, you're exactly right. But, but there is a, there is an interesting corollary to that too, which is, uh, one of the things I'm always so careful about is, uh, if you've heard me before, I don't want people to think I'm the guy with one speech, right? So yeah. I'm always very conscious about if they've heard me before to, to use completely different and new material. But one of the things I've learned the hard way is there is a percentage, for example, if 30% have heard me before, but 70% haven't, that 30% are, 
to tell the other people that haven't, oh, you're going to love this story he, he tells about a cab driver. And then if I don't tell it, it's made that 30% look <laughs> right. bad, right? And I yeah. never Play the hits. Play the hits. Well, yeah, I never anticipated that we as speakers could have hits, so-called hits, right? And they, they it, now, if everybody in the audience has heard it before, then there's no reason. If 90% have heard it before, no, I don't tell it again. But if it's 70-30, you know, uh, maybe even 60-40, I, I will preface it by saying I know that some of you have heard this before. However, I, I, I did a program a while back in Australia and didn't do the speech and the the VP running the meeting got up and said, you know, Scott, we love your speech. The one thing we were disappointed about is we didn't get to hear your taxi theory again. Would you come back on stage and tell that story one more time? Wow, an encore, a, a <laughs> little, an actual encore. <laughs> he went back, he went, went up stage, you know, yeah. So, had, a Jack, had a Jack Daniels, waited for the applause, came back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Living the dream, man. Living but, the dream. Uh, it's, it, you're right. It is, it is like a, a, a musician with a hit is that we, we – the difference is we can tweak it and the audience doesn't know, but at the yeah. end of the day, they want us to play our hits. It's interesting you mentioned uh, Australia. It was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Does it always work? Does it work? You, you've spoken a lot uh, overseas. Does it does it work in every location? Uh, and if not, what what's the time that you remember where Taxi Terry just bombed? It always works. And there there is the other great uh, blessing of the story. Uh, is that it is about an industry that everyone feels the same way about wherever you are in the world. Uh, whether you are in Dubai or you are in Singapore uh, or Bangkok, everybody has stories about bad cab drivers. And to have a cab driver take that kind of care in terms of the experience works everywhere in the world. You know, thank goodness the story is not about you know, I, I can talk about it. I grew up in a small town grocery store. Well, there's a lot of places in the world that that's, you know, that's been, that continues to be their experience. The big box is not, you know, what, what, what they deal with. So it wouldn't work there. But, but fortunately for me, a, a cab driver story works anywhere I've been. Because of the nature of the work that you do on stage, on the page, and your many uh, fantastic books, uh, also as a consultant, you have a number of of stories, as do I, because we do similar work, of of companies who who have succeeded, uh, who have done something different, who stand out, who are intentional in, in terms of their own disruption patterns. So you've got stories about companies, and then you have stories like Taxi Terry who have hap- that, that have happened to you, Scott McCain. Which of those do you find more powerful and compelling, uh, and why? I, wow. Uh, I think the magic's in the mix. I, I think if all I did was tell personal stories, then the audience would wonder about the depth of the content. But I think when you have a mix of relevant and current stories. Uh, you know, I, one, one of the things that I think we're all maybe a little guilty of is uh, we, we try to find these universal applications thinking that everybody will, will, the more we talk about Apple and Starbucks and Southwest Airlines and Nordstrom, that, that everybody will relate to that. Well, the problem is everybody's heard of that. So when we can tell stories about and, and that's what I love about talk triggers, Jay, is, is that you tell stories about uh, your experiences and, and even your experiences. You know, when, when you talk about the, the cookie at Doubletree, yeah. that's something that we've all experienced. 
And it's something that, you know, many in your audience can relate to. Uh, but you give us a fresh way to look at something that we have had as a shared common experience. And, and that makes that very unique. Uh, and double tree is not used like, Apple. you know, like, right. Like Apple is. Yeah. So uh, I think that's, that's part of what's incumbent upon us as speakers too, is to find these new, you know, I'm, I'm talking now about something that we've experienced, but not a lot of the audiences experience shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's in Indianapolis <laughs> or, you know, um, finding these ways, Carvana, uh, others finding these unique ways to, to illustrate the, the timeless concepts that we try to illuminate for an audience. Do you feel like speakers who are still working on their signature stories, uh, do you feel like they, they struggle most with, with finding those business tales that haven't been told or as is true in my case, they struggle with telling their own stories because they're either not comfortable with it or they're just not quite sure how to apply it to a larger audience. I, I think it can be all of the above. I, I think that one of the challenges that happens is that we we get two, you know, two different types of speakers. There are many types of speakers, but but you you maybe think of two. One is those that are truly humble people who are a little bit reticent, perhaps, about sharing from the stage, thinking it might be too personal. Um, but yet, you and I both know from experience, uh, you share a tragedy that happened in your life. I share one that happened in mine. That, that that makes us more relatable to the audience and and provides something that a lot of folks either won't or can't. The, the, but I think a major challenge is sometimes we forget who the hero of the story should be. Right. Uh, Taxi Terry is the hero of the Taxi Terry story. My job is to get you to see Taxi Terry. I'm I'm just the ve- pardon the pun, but I'm just the vehicle by which the audience sees themselves in the cab. Um, you know, I, I've got another story about forgetting cufflinks. It's it's the audience perceives themselves having that trouble. I'm not the hero, and I think one of the challenges is a lot of times speakers trying, particularly in the early days, trying to add to the value, trying to impress the audience, trying to impress the meeting professional makes themselves the hero of the story, which turns the audience off. Uh, the, the, the audience doesn't want you to be the hero of your own. You know, I, I, I joked at an, an NSA event that unless you climbed Mount Everest blindfolded backwards, you know, you can't be the hero of your own story. It, it, make these other institutions, make these other places, even if you're telling an Apple story, you know, don't don't tell it about Steve Jobs and Apple. Tell it about the one person at the Genius Bar who went the extra step to fix your iPhone. That's what an Apple story in today's world has more impact and relevance and significance. So I, I think it's either we don't want it. We're reticent about telling our own story because we don't want to talk about ourselves and put ourselves in a story. Or we, we kind of get in our own way and become the hero of our story which which is never as effective with the audience. I, I just feel like you don't have to build yourself up because you're already on a stage. You, yeah, you, by, really? de- you by definition are on a platform, right? It's like, yes, exactly. you, you exactly. just say, don't put yourself on a pedestal. You're on a pedestal. <laughs> you're on a pedestal. <laughs> Quite literally. Like, you know, it just it kind of goes without saying, right? So, uh, Scott, I want to ask you the, the two questions that we ask all of our guests here in the Standing Innovation Program. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given about the speaking business? The, my my first mentor was a guy named Grady Nutt, N-U-T-T. 
Uh, Grady is not well remembered uh, these days, ex- except uh, he, he was he was a former minister who became a humorist. And um, I'm, I'm going to fudge just a little because there's two things he gave me that, that were a tie. He said, uh, number one is he said, there are always three variables. There's you, there's the audience, there's the situation. Um, when something doesn't go as well as you wanted, maturity as a speaker is knowing where to rightfully assign the blame. He said, trying to be a martyr saying that it's always, if the audience is drunk, uh, if, if the audience has just been harangued by the CEO, um, there's part of the audience isn't into it. If the sound system doesn't work, uh, if, if they can't see you, but there's times you're not at your best. And so part of maturity as a speaker is, look, you're still a pro and you still have to deliver. But understanding it might not have been 100% because the people in the back couldn't hear, uh, it means you don't beat yourself up. You, you don't, and, and that that's the parallel to the other quick thing I was going to say. I was telling him one time about, you know, I'd given a speech, and let's say there were 100 people in the audience, and two people wrote that they thought I was canned and phony. And all I did was pay attention to those two. And he said, who do you think you are that you are so superior that you can designate which two of a hundred evaluations is, is most insightful? Who do you think you are to say that those two people's opinion matter more than the 98? And he said, it's not that you discard those two opinions, but you don't, they are 2% of the audience. And, both of those were really, for a beginning speaker, man, they were impactful and helpful. Well, that is such fantastic advice because there's no question, you know, you, you always focus on the on the few negatives. And and the thing about the speaking business is it appears that everybody has this great deal of self-confidence because they're theoretically not afraid of the microphone. But the reality is, and I think you'll see that on this show, Clappers, a lot of speakers have that little voice in the back of their head saying, I shouldn't actually be up here. Yeah. No, you're you're so right, Jay. And hey, you know, I've been doing this forever. And and, uh, that's one of the weird things, too. I I hope I'm doing my best work ever now. Uh, I'm really excited about the future. Uh, But there is still always that thing that, you know, will it work this time? It's part of what I love about the business is that, you know, if uh, Tammy, my wife, and I went to see Jerry Seinfeld, and he walked out and said good evening, and everybody laughed. Of course, you're supposed to laugh. It's Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> you know. But but in this business, unless you're Tony Robbins or Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever, you're not so well known that you get the benefit of the audience of previous performance. We have to nail it every time because the audience doesn't give a damn about what you did in Denver last night or what you're going to do in San Diego tomorrow. You'd better be good in Vegas today. Yeah, and you got to prove it. I, I, and we have to do it every time we go out. And and I love that. It is part of what keeps me excited and motivated about this business. Scott, you know how the show works now. Who is your dream guest for Standing Ovation? Wow, what a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I think one of the really, really uh, uh, great guests would be Jeannie Robertson. And the reason I say that is because she has that great baton story that has been held up as a signature story. But but Jeannie in her, you know, 70s plus uh, is now going on the road and telling basically giving a speech, but selling hard tickets for it. 
and and filling theaters. And so I, I would like to know, how do you continue to tweak your speech into your 70s? But also, what is it, you know, what what keeps you excited and motivated and and continuing to do this when when financially you don't have to? And and when I, I just think she'd be a, a fact because, I mean, there's, she is more meticulous than anybody I've ever known about, you know, development of material and writing stories and and all of that. She she would just be fantastic. I couldn't agree more. Jeannie Robertson is on the list uh, for Standard I don't know Jeannie well, actually. So I'm going to I'm going to follow up with you and have you uh, connect us sure. if you would, my friend. I would appreciate that. Scott, thank you so much uh, for being here. It was an absolute treat and a privilege to deconstruct Taxi Terry uh, with you. I appreciate it, Jay. And by the way, if you or any of your listeners are ever in Jacksonville, Florida, <laughs> yeah, you know a guy. Real, yeah, he's a real if you guy. want the best cab ride of your life, why uh, uh, go go see Taxi Terry? It's taxiterry.com. and you can see he really is a real person. And and I, I just can't thank him enough for the experience he delivered for me that created such a story that is really, really made an impact on my career. The commission checks in the mail for Taxi Terry, right? That's that's <laughs> that's how that works. If you want the best cab ride of your life in Jacksonville, go to TaxiTerry.com. If you want the best keynote speaker of your life, go to ScottMcCain.com. Uh, Clappers. <laughs> yeah. Clappers, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Standard Ovation featuring uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Scott McCain. Uh, don't forget, every single episode is available at JBear.com. That's J-A-Y-B-A-E-R.com. Or, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, new episodes are released all the time, so go on a binge. Listen to them all. And thanks again to our sponsor, Content 10X, content10x.com slash standing ovation to learn all about their services. They're amazing. I am Jay Baer, keynote speaker, MC, author, and host of Standing Ovation. Ideas for the show? Email me at jay at jaybear.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>